Hello and welcome to the Indiana Lawyer Podcast, your audio source for news and Hoosier law, brought to you by Taft. I'm Katie Steencombe, in for Jordan Morey and Olivia Covington as your host for this week's episode. Whether you're listening in Gary or Evansville, or somewhere in between, thanks for joining us. It may be summertime, but the news isn't slowing down. This week's episode is packed with headlines from across multiple sectors of the legal profession. Plus, I sit down with Tim Calgreen, the Director of Civic Education at the Indiana Bar Foundation, to discuss all things We the People. So let's dive in. Today is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022, and these are your headlines. Let's start off with some fun news from our team at Indiana Lawyer. On June 8th, we released the list of this year's Leadership in Law honorees, including Senior Judge Sarah Evans Barker, who took home our most prestigious honor, the Lifetime Achievement Award. We honor Judge Barker and all of the 2022 winners at a breakfast celebration on June 1st, where we got to hear from each honoree as they answered questions via video about topics ranging from their favorite part of being a lawyer, to their advice to their younger selves, to their favorite fictional lawyers. Judge Barker was our keynote speaker, delivering a funny and inspiring message that looked back on her 50-plus year career. Here's a snippet of what Judge Barker had to say as she accepted the 2022 Leadership in Law Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, as my long career as a lawyer and a judge winds down, however long that may take, I want to be sure to say out loud in public here what I hope has been obvious to anyone who's been paying attention to my judicial tenure throughout these years, namely that I have always greatly enjoyed the work that I've been permitted to perform and have approached each day with a deep sense of privilege and pleasure as I work side by side with so many extraordinary colleagues, many of whom are here today, and gifted legal practitioners who bring order to our society as we've worked together to advance the cause of justice for all our citizens and to preserve the rule of law. To have been a witness to the remarkable investments of legal skills and the untiring devotion of so many of you, so many attorneys and judges, to have been privy to many heartwarming displays of kindness and generosity and sheer courage, to have watched and admired the eloquence of so many lawyers who managed to find words to express an array of thoughts and ideas and hopes and dreams that often defy verbal expression, to have had a front row seat for the kind of lovely storytelling and joke sharing that lawyers do with each other, They do it better than anybody else does it in the world. These have been gifts to last a lifetime. We honored a total of 36 legal professionals this year, including 15 distinguished barristers, 15 up-and-coming lawyers, and five legal support stars, plus Judge Barker. You can read more about this year's winners and even watch the video of the event on our website. As the years-long opioid crisis continues to make headlines, a new development is bringing some optimism to the situation in Indiana. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita announced last week that all 648 political subdivisions in Indiana have joined a $507 million settlement with major pharmaceutical distributors and manufacturers. That amount is part of a $26 billion nationwide payout across 46 states by opioid distributors Cardinal Health, McKesson, and Amerisource Virgin, as well as drug manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. 
the funds will be split 50-50 between state and local governments with all money going toward law enforcement efforts, drug task forces, regional treatment hubs, and similar programs, according to Rakita's office. The news that all Indiana political subdivisions would participate in the settlement came after 74 communities, including Indianapolis, Evansville, and Allen County, initially declined to join the settlement. But a law passed in 2022 that splits the money evenly between state and local governments brought more subdivisions into the agreement. Check back with us regularly as we keep a close eye on the developments in the opioid crisis. And now for some big news about Indiana's newest Indiana Supreme Court Justice, Court of Appeals Judge Derek Moulter. Governor Eric Holcomb named Moulter last week as his pick to join the state's highest bench, calling him a, quote, compassionate and forward-thinking man with a brilliant legal mind. Moulter will be the 111th justice to join the Indiana Supreme Court and will succeed retiring Justice Stephen David, who plans to step down from the bench this fall. David has more than 30 years of judicial experience and spent 12 years on the high court. The search for his successor began in February, when the Indiana Judicial Nominating Commission began interviewing 19 applicants vying for the open justice position. Moulter, who joined the Court of Appeals in October 2021 when Judge James Kirsch retired, didn't get the chance to celebrate his one-year anniversary on the appellate bench before being selected to the high court. His final competitors for the spot included Grant Superior Court Judge Dana Kenworthy and Justin Forkner, Chief Administrative Officer of the Indiana Office of Judicial Administration. The soon-to-be new justice received his law degree from Indiana University Maurer School of Law in 2007. He served as a judicial clerk for the now-senior Judge Theresa Springman of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Indiana, and briefly practiced at Arnold and Porter in Washington, D.C. before coming home to Indiana and joining Ice Miller in 2013. This is Holcomb's second appointment to the Indiana Supreme Court, following the selection of Justice Christopher Goff in 2017. Moulter said during the June 10th announcement that while he will miss working each day alongside his extraordinary colleagues on the Court of Appeals, he is, quote, grateful for this opportunity to serve on the Supreme Court. Chief Justice Loretta Rush praised Moulter's selection by saying, quote, Time and time again, you just rise, and we expect you to do nothing but that. We are counting on you stepping up. A date for Moulter's roving ceremony will be determined by the Indiana Supreme Court. Stay tuned for continued coverage of Indiana's newly appointed justice. That's the familiar sound of working from home, or working from a boat, as two Indiana attorneys would say. Back in 2020, I caught up with Anne-Marie Waldron and Mike Simmons after they spent weeks on a boat that they planned to work from for the next few years. The Indianapolis attorneys had decided to work remotely from their boat as they completed the Great Loop Tour, 6,000 miles of waterway along the riverbanks and shorelines of eastern North America. Waldron and Simmons set sail from Bradenton, Florida in January 2020. Their plan was to practice law remotely from their boat for two to three weeks at a time, come back to Indiana for a week or so, and then head back onto the water. We had amazing stars, amazing sunsets. We would sit out on the front of the boat each night after we got anchored and just watch dolphins and turtles and eagles and everything all around us. When the pandemic hit just a few months later, they were halted from boarding the boat again until the end of April 2020 due to COVID restrictions. But Waldron says they were able to travel more than they originally expected because hearings, depositions, and mediations were all being held remotely. So it really made it a lot easier. 
By October 2020, the couple arrived at Syracuse, New York on the Erie Canal when the canals closed. Canal flooding caused by storms on the East Coast and the closure of the Canadian border kept Waldron and Simmons from officially launching on the loop again for another year and a half. The couple's now prepared to officially relaunch their tour this weekend and head toward Canada. They'll take off on their boat, called the Mad Mac, plan to finish the Great Lakes by September, then they'll start down the river system with the goal of finishing the Great Loop Tour by January 2023. Love the boat, love being on the boat, love working from the boat, just, you know, couldn't get couldn't get to where we needed to go for a while, but we're all ready to go again. Keep watch on the Indiana Lawyer website for more details of my coverage of the Boating Lawyers' Great Loop Tour adventures. In other judicial news, longtime Court of Appeals Judge Edward Najum will retire from the bench this summer when he turns 75, and the search has begun for his successor. Najum's successor will be named through Indiana's merit-based judicial selection process, led by the Indiana Judicial Nomination Commission. Interviews of nine judges and lawyers who have applied to fill Najum's appellate spot will begin on July 11th. Najum was appointed to the Court of Appeals by Governor Evan Bayh in 1992. He was retained in 1996, 2006, and 2016. During his time on the appellate bench, he has written more than 4,000 majority opinions. He served for 10 years on the Indiana Supreme Court Committee on Rules of Practice and initiated the Appellate Rules Project, while serving as chair of the Indiana State Bar Association's appellate practice section. That work culminated in a complete revision of Indiana's rules of appellate procedure. Najum has also represented the judiciary on the Indiana Department of Homeland Security, Counterterrorism, and Security Council. Najum, who is from Bloomington, is an Indiana University and Harvard Law School grad. He received IU's Bicentennial Medal in 2019. After the July 11th interviews, three finalists selected by the JNC will be considered by the governor, who will have 60 days to select the next Court of Appeals judge. Be on the lookout for our continued coverage of Judge Najum's retirement and selected successor. Before we turn to today's guest, let's take a look at a plan proposed by Governor Holcomb that would give back $1 billion in state reserves to Indiana taxpayers. The governor announced on June 9th that he wants to call a special legislative session before the end of the month to address the refund issue. Under his proposed plan, each taxpayer would collect about $225. That's in addition to the $125 that each taxpayer is set to receive this year from the state's automatic taxpayer refund. A May state revenue report prompted Holcomb's plan, which showed Indiana's revenue was $209 million higher than expected. For 11 months of the Indiana fiscal year, which ends June 30th, revenues are $1.075 billion over forecast. The $125 automatic refund was triggered after the state ended the last fiscal year with nearly $4 billion in reserves, which was $1.2 billion more than expected. Holcomb said the money is being returned to those who rightfully should have it. When asked about the state's total $6 billion in reserves, and what would be done with the remaining $5 million, Holcomb said he takes a longer view than, quote, just spend it now because we've got it. Holcomb said he has an aggressive legislative package to address the financial needs of Indiana for the coming fiscal years. When the budget is rewritten, he said we'll have to see if more of that money will go back to taxpayers. You know, I think that's um, to be determined. I, I do think that uh, if we continue to grow, there will be an appetite for tax reform. To what extent, 
we're looking at housing issues, we're looking at property taxes, we're looking at certainly income. But this is, these conversations have to occur um, in a more um, long-lasting gathering, not just a special session. That wraps up today's headlines. Now, let's hear from our special guest to talk all about civic education. Taft, today's modern law firm. At Taft, we cultivate a highly respectful, transparent workplace that fosters creativity, teamwork, inclusion, and diversity. We couple our culture with a client-first approach, rewarding lawyers who understand their clients' goals and work to deliver success. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. This week is Tim Calgreen, Director of Civic Education at the Indiana Bar Foundation. Tim has served in that role since August 2019. Before that, he served for more than 12 years as the Program Coordinator for the Ohio Center for Law-Related Education. He has extensive experience coordinating We the People curriculum and middle school mock trial competitions. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us today. Glad to be here. Yeah, so let's just start things off. If you could first tell me a little bit about your role at the Indiana Bar Foundation as the Director of Civic Ed and what that looks like. Sure. Uh, The Indiana Bar Foundation's one of its pillars of its mission is to look at civic education and help our students, K-12 in Indiana, understand our government better. And so we have teacher professional development, student programming, that we uh, look to share and expand all around the state to help our students and teachers understand civics, government better, and and learn more. Yeah, and for those who may not know what We the People is, can you kind of break down what its chief goal is, what it looks like in practice, and who it's for? Yeah, We the People is used in elementary, middle, and high school classes. It looks at and focuses through the lens of our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and looks at the philosophies that are underpinning it, the application of it, the evolution of our Constitution, the histories of it, and students really take a deep dive into uh, American constitutionalism and American government, ranging from philosophical foundations and underpinnings to the Philadelphia Convention, how we got our Constitution, structure function of government, Bill of Rights protections, and citizenship under our government in the 21st century. Yeah, and speaking of We the People competitions and the program, I know Fisher's high school team made history this year, finishing second out of 47 teams nationwide. Um, And then we also had Fisher's junior high school taking some top honors at the We the People Invitational and then also Fall Creek Junior High School being recognized as well. Yeah, Fisher's is a community that embraces this program. And like you mentioned, Fisher's high school, Uh, national runners-up this year. It was great to watch the academic knowledge and the showcase that each of those students uh, gave throughout the competition. Um, Hamilton Southeastern High School also participates in the program. As you mentioned, Fisher's Junior High finished at the We the People National Invitational in first place uh, for the middle school division. Um, And then Fall Creek Junior High um, finished third in the nation in that. Um, additionally, Woodside Middle School up in Fort Wayne took home a unit award at the middle school competition. So all around the state getting some national accolades. How exciting was that for you to see that success? A lot of fun. Uh, the, the students worked so hard. They put a lot of time, a lot of work into it. 
and seeing the end result. They have so much critical thinking that they can do. They take constitutional ideas, apply them to what's going on in historic and contemporary uh, processes, and it's just so reassuring. Our, our future is in good hands because we can see there are hundreds of students across the state that are going to be so knowledgeable about our government and our constitution. Now, can we break down the difference between mock trial and We the People? Absolutely. Mock trial, kind of as the name implies there, it's a simulated trial. Students get a case every year and they study it. They become the attorneys and witnesses for each uh, for the trial. They have to present both sides. We alternate between whether it's a criminal or a civil case, so they get a wide variety of the legal system and understand uh, different aspects of the law. They then create their own theme and theory of what happened. They argue both sides of the case. Um, they're given witness statements. It's not a scripted piece. It's not just reader's theater. The students really just have to understand, here are six witnesses. What did they see? What did they know? And then how do you craft, again, your theme and theory of what happened within the case? They present their arguments. We have regional levels of the competition, advancing to the state level of the competition. And eventually our state champion represents uh, Indiana at the national competition. So it really looks at the judicial branch, the legal system, and the skills that you get by presenting a trial. So like I said, the critical listening, uh, persuasive arguments, um, public speaking, uh, the skills that way. We the People really looks at our constitutional government and its underpinnings and how we function as citizens in our government. So it's a lot of fun to watch these students really get engaged with these civic education programs and, and showcase that they are learning a lot and, and they really showcase a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at civic education more broadly, what is the success, and you had mentioned this before, this is exciting to see hundreds of students getting involved in this. What does that mean for civic education in the state? How is that faring right now? We're excited to keep seeing it expand. And so um, it gives our students a chance to, to practice being good citizens too. So they are understanding what it means to be a citizen. They are engaged in civic process, um, embedding as you know a lawyer or a witness in a mock trial or in the We the People program and understanding what it takes to know about our government and some policy issues and everything that way. So it, it, the students are really engaging, and whether they become something in life, a politician, an attorney, um, an elected official, they're going to be good citizens. They can be a dentist, they can be a plumber, they can be an artist, they can be a musician. Whatever they're going to do, these are going to be the skills and knowledge that these students are going to hold for, for their lifetime. So I, I think Indiana is looking good. That's good. I feel like I've heard that civic education is kind of struggling a little bit nationally or people just might not have enough civic education. So do you think that's looking upwards then? I think we have a lot of tools. There can be more that we can do. I mean, we've got some good support from the Indiana General Assembly. Uh, there's hope for some uh, federal support in there too. 
um, any of the support, the outreach that's going to happen is going to only make it better. But I think tools are there and we're ready to keep, you know, bringing it to more teachers and more students across the state. Absolutely. And talking about the Indiana General Assembly, I wanted to talk about House Enrolled Act 1384, which passed this legislative session, and it's now requiring that Indiana students grades 6 through 8 take at least one semester of civics courses. The new law would also require the Indiana Department of Ed and the State Board of Education to develop state standards for civics education. So could you tell us a little bit more about the civic education standards and how you foresee we the people in that curriculum influencing the new civic ed law? Sure. Um, since that law has been passed, things have progressed. So the Department of Ed has written civic standards for the middle school level, and they've gone to the State Board of Education, and at their most recent meeting, they did pass those. So those are now set, and so schools are going to use the 22-23 school year to prep and plan for implementation in the fall of 23. And the Indiana Bar Foundation and its programs, the We the People, we are setting it up, aligning the program to show teachers, administrators, We the People is aligned to these new standards. It's going to enhance your teaching. It's going to help give you content that the students are going to need to know that has been set up by the Department of Ed and as well give them an assessment model that the students can use through the We the People uh, simulated legislative hearing to showcase the students' knowledge and understanding about the content. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that assessment model, what that looks like? Yeah, culminating We the People is a simulated legislative hearing. The students will have studied a thick, rigorous, academic, weighty question. And they study it, they're ready to answer it as a panel of students. So typically you see about three to five students study a question. And then they will answer the question communally, collaboratively as their panel. And then a panel of judges, evaluators, will Q&A them to further probe their understanding and knowledge there. And so this is set up as uh, a way that the teachers can assess the students to check the students to understand the content and you're further checking on them as you continue to ask those uh, probing Q&A questions, the follow-up questions to them to make sure that it's not just a passive learning experience for them. You're going to continue to ask them what do they know, can they apply to new situations, and really check that they're understanding. And so that's what's built into the We the People program to be able to really understand that the students know the content. Makes for a nice program. It's uh, rigorous, it's academic, and it's very realistic for the students as well. Very achievable as you work with the students. When it comes to increasing geographic diversity within We the People and Mock Trial, I mean, what is the Bar Foundation doing to get more students involved from inner cities and rural communities? Absolutely. Um, yes, the new middle school civics class the Department of Education is putting it as a sixth grade class, so sixth graders across the state are gonna be getting ready to do this. The We the People program is set up that we also have it in an upper elementary, um, a middle school, and a high school level. And so students, multiple grade levels, multiple um, ways can be engaged with this program. And we have professional development opportunities for the teachers to help them learn what is the program, how to bring it into their classroom, how to make it accessible to their students. 
we have a whole group of mentor teachers all across the state that are willing to help talk teacher to teacher, bring their experience and help them with lesson plans and content pieces. We the people seen in, in the, all the corners of the state. Uh, mock trial is expanding across all corners of the state. Um, north, south, east, west. We're ready for rural, urban, suburban. We're, any of these teachers, if you're excited, engaged, want some new content for civic education for your own knowledge, if you want the lesson plans, you want a program that gets your students engaged, come talk to the Indiana Bar Foundation. We've got, we the people, we've got mock trial. Something is going to get your students engaged in civic education. Why should lawyers and judges support programs like We the People? Our civic education programs really start instilling rule of law. It starts instilling common good. It instills community learning. And you're just building good citizens. And the more our students learn how to become an engaged person within the system, within our government, it, it's a great way to you know, keep us moving forward positively as a community. Uh, especially with mock trial, I like to, to say too that it takes the courtroom and makes it not a scary place. It's a positive place too. You learn good things there. It's not just for negative aspects. Our policymaking bodies, the legislature, aren't negative. These are po positive things within our government. All of these things come together to help our students really know and understand all aspects of being a, a, a citizen within the state structure or, or national structure and, and being engaged positively in the process. Is there anything else about We the People or civics education that you think is important to mention that we didn't get to talk about? I, I think that's so exciting to get more people involved. And so kind of from that last question there, too, if anybody is interested in becoming involved with the programs, please reach out to the Bar Foundation's website. Contact me at the Bar Foundation We'd love to connect you with some of our students. Come see our competitions and how the culminating activities of these students. You will be impressed. And so these students, mock trial, we the people put a lot of time into their studies of civic education through these programs. And it is so fun to watch as they come together and really showcase that like I said earlier, we're in a good place. Or we have a lot of smart young students that are ready to take uh, control of, of good things for the state. Well, thank you so much for meeting with us today. It was really awesome to learn more about this. Thank you very much for having me.